Welcome to episode four of season four of the Three Amigos. I'm your host Don, and I'm joined as always by my amigo Mars and my amiga Kylie. Welcome to the show, folks. I am looking forward to getting some marvelous sympathy for my car crash game week two here tonight. Um, surely you're not expecting that from me, right? You're getting nothing. You're getting absolutely nothing. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we're ready. We're ready to roll anyway with a good game week show, and we'll look forward to game week three and hopefully better times for us all but um as always we begin our show with a brief review of the game week that was before putting it firmly in our rearview mirror and moving on um top amigo this week was mars followed by uh, kylie and then yours truly in third place so marzi tell us a brief bit about your game week two yeah it was all right um actually surprisingly the points came from my defense um i had uh 14 23 points from the back line and five from my forward so uh, you can see where the points so i finished on 54 i'm happy with it look it was it's a matter of you can't uh, for me it's a it was a, a you can't have them all so i never had son never considered him I, I had ali and i sold him to rodriguez so i was happy with that that's plus 12 would not hit um yeah i was surprised by the kane and uh, son show but then i wasn't surprised with with a defense like that i could have probably had a chance or two and then um yeah apart from that a uh, bit disappointed with United, um, but happy. Over, it's fine overall for me. It's it, I stuck to the plan and I'm continuing like that, and I'm I'm fine with it. So yeah, good stuff, Mersey. And how about yourself, Kay? You were marginally better than me, but uh, tell me about your one. I mean, my week just got comical in the end. Um, so I ended up on net 39. It was uh, 43. Uh, minus a, a hit. I don't regret the hit. The hit was a good thing because um, I did. I took out Ali for Rodriguez in the end uh, for the hit. My previous move had been, look, I did Ings to Marshall and that obviously didn't work out, but I'm not too fussed about that because I had always planned to do that. So Ings was only in there as a placeholder. But the um, if I hadn't done the Ali to Rodriguez move or if I had done some other move, um, I would have ended up more unfortunate than I was in the end. Um, but, I mean, it, it the car crash at the end, I, I went into the, the last day sort of saying to everybody, I wish that I didn't have anyone playing on Monday because I just have this awful sense of um, doom uh, <laughs> pending. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get on to that when we get on to the rant of the week, which I think you're going to take over this week, hey? But uh, the, it was an interesting one. Um Oh, yeah, my game week, it was it was an interesting one as well because um, I had a little bit of... I decided this year I was going to be a little bit impulsive, I guess, and kind of majorly get in the players I wanted to and kind of be aggressive. I I, um, I remember a thread I read in the preseason. It was kind of be true to the kind of manager you are, and I've come to terms with the fact that I'm never going to be one of the, um, the more considerate... Um, you know, um, patient managers. So my style is basically the only year I ever had a really good year was I was aggressive throughout. And I think I just kind of try to be the manager that I want to be. So, um, yeah, what I did was um, I moved out Son for Bruno um, and I captained Bruno. And also in the what felt like the most risky move of the game week, I sold Aubameyang for KDB. 
Now, primarily, the move was always going to be San, so I'm not beating myself up too much about missing out on the San points because that was my plan. San was the one I was going to make way for a United midfielder. I was tempted to go or would just go for Rashford, wouldn't have to take a hit, just one transfer, um, and just captain Aubameyang, but I just decided that I wanted Bruno, and that meant downgrading Aubameyang, even with his plum fixture, with everyone on Twitter seeming to captain him. Captain him. So, um, so yeah, it worked out anyway with another hit as well, was uh, Werner I took out for Lacazette as one of my aggressive kind of punts, and that one worked out fine. So basically in the heel of the hunt, I lost out about 20 points on the game week by, because of missing out on that song, on those sound points. But I'm not beating myself up too much about it. Um, it was one of those things, and it was one of those plans I had. I wasn't majorly impressed with Spurs, and um, you win some, you lose some, as we say. Now to give the rundown on the Three Amigos FBL Classic League. In top spot is FBL Mumbai. That's Harsh Pandya's team on 199 points. That's uh, twice my total. Uh, Mount Me Greenwood is Tim Lee's team on 179 points. FBL Addict, that's Alawalid El Hassan's team, is on 172 points. Joint third spot is Hits Galore. That's Matt Izaschi's team. That's 172 points as well. FBL Sudan, that's Dr. Walid's team, is on 171 points. Um, a special shout out tonight is to um, Stephen Boardman's team. He was in the top 10 last week and he contacted us on Twitter because I only read out the top five and he believed that I normally give read the top 10, which I did last season. So special shout out to you, Stephen. Uh, five by five, that's your team's name. And you're on 162 points um excellent still 70 points in the last game week so um you have made an excellent start to the season so well done to all of those guys and um best of luck to all of you in the coming season um so folks we're going to kick on with the next stage of our show which of course as always is at the rant of the week <laughs> yeah and i mean do you know what it it's less ranty i think this is i've got some kind of philosophical thing happening this year where i'm trying to be a little less uh, ragey about things going wrong so I, I'm surprisingly not too ragey about it I'm more bemused um, than anything because it was such a strange strange day but it's quite a funny story so it's worth sharing with listeners uh, who were not on Twitter perhaps for the meltdown that that occurred basically I uh, came into last night's uh, games and the only player I had left was Egan and with some Maxman's injury and things not going too well, I was feeling particularly negative about him. Also, I think because he was one of the last changes, and I, I referenced this on the pod last week, that um, I had made going into game week one and probably the single player I felt the least conviction over. So he was kind of someone I wasn't thrilled with anyway. Um, but I remember that morning at just thinking, oh my goodness, like I'm going to, I'm definitely going to get negative points from him. Um, and I pretty much kept saying it to everyone. And then uh, I decided I wasn't going to watch the match. I I was going for a, a walk after work. And um, basically we're, we're all in, in this uh, head-to-head league that, that Marzi's been running and uh, Rockstar, everyone's favourite uh, Rockstar and I were playing each other in the head-to-head. And uh, I thought that I was finishing one point ahead um, but I still had Egan to go and I forgot that he still had Egan as well. And so I tweeted uh, I tweeted him uh, basically saying, you know, um, 
you're probably going to win because it's inevitable that uh, that Egan is going to get a red card in like the within 23 minutes or something. And what is madder still? I put 23 minutes, but I remember thinking like 13 minutes, but looking at the time and thinking, oh, God, yeah, he, he needs another 10 minutes to get sent off. Um, and I basically hit send on that tweet, walked a few metres and uh, then started getting all these notifications. And I got this message from Paul saying, oh, you know, good thing you're not at uh, home watching the match. And it was just like that moment of, oh, my God, did this actually just happen? Like, was it chicken and egg? Did I make that happen? Oh, God. If you you start thinking (laughs) that, then um, there'll be two people on this podcast who think they have a serious impact on real-life football games. Marzi (laughs) with his superstitions and uh, not getting too confident and stuff like that. I don't know. (laughs) My team talks. My team talks. It's not a coincidence. Three years I've been doing them since that. Three years, look at what happened to Liverpool. Yeah, well, keep doing them, I love them. We have I'm powers on that, Migos. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally superstitious. It's like that thing, I will not, I absolutely will not look at FPL if I have a defender playing. Like, I freak out if someone even half shows me their screen because yeah. I'm convinced that I will lose my clean sheet, and I always do. Whenever it happens, I'm going to um, I'm going to I'm going to pay real attention to when um, any advice you give later on, Kylie, because I think maybe maybe it's one of these superpowers that can hit normal people, and all of a sudden they just get them. So um, I'm going to see if I'm going to maybe subconscious superpower. Maybe Mm. she doesn't know she has it. I'm like honestly, I'm like Oz the Great and uh, you know terrible or something because (laughs) if only it was good things happening. But everyone was asking. Watch our numbers. I'm afraid I don't. Uh, I don't have any for you. Uh, yeah, and I was going to suggest that probably living in Ireland, maybe I rubbed off a leprechaun on um, on the bus or something one of the days there, and uh, you've got a bit of luck from him, or a bad luck, a bad leprechaun um, at some point. <laughs> but uh, we'll kick on with the next stage of our show, which is our three amigos roundtable. So we discussed last week any players or teams whose game week one performance had made us reassess our strategy, and we agreed that more data was needed before making big decisions. Patience certainly paid off for those who stuck with the likes of Ings or Son, less so for others, I guess. However, following a truly weird game week two for Manny and with the foretold game week three fixture swing for Manny of the premium teams upon us, transfers, hits, and wildcards are flying all around. Kylie... How do we identify the FOMO from the real and present danger of missing out on this season's price change elevator players? I I think this is a really interesting subject um, because it's obviously very relevant at the moment, but it's it's really hard to separate FOMO from what I guess we might call need or a a need to act, um, particularly at this early stage of the season and coming off the back of what was really quite an insane week. Um, we had red cards, we had trolling, we had braces, hat tricks and, you know, the general mess that is St. Maximin, right? So there was a lot of things going on there, a lot more goals than we're used to, uh, a lot of goals by people we're not used to scoring that many goals um, and, and so on. So I think there's a few considerations that we, we need to look at. Firstly, in relation to price changes, because obviously price changes do move really aggressively at this time of the season we know that there's a lot more active players um and you know that there's a whole load of panic around that for me personally i don't like to factor price changes into my decision making too much um while i am i'm definitely not a risk averse manager 
um, and I don't mind taking hits and all of these things, but I'm really particular about making early transfers because I just think that that's an element of risk that I really don't want to introduce into my team is this whole they might get injured thing. And I think with the news this evening that uh, Moyes and a couple of West Ham players have tested positive for COVID, we had uh, Goodwan yesterday, I believe, from City. So, you know, I think there has to be like quite a large number of, of players to test positive in a team, them to postpone a match. Not sure the exact parameters, but it is just something to factor in while we're in crazy times. Um, so you kind of have to, I think, take a step back and assess the situation and, and manage your risk a little bit there in terms of the price changes. The other thing that I would say separately and this kind of has maybe more to do with the, the FOMO, um, is that you probably also have to separate out last week's results like a little bit in some instances. Because if you look at someone who's perhaps diving in on, on KDB, right, loads of us are, that's a completely understandable situation, right? He's a legend. He's on penalties. He's now playing in this number 10 role, and I believe that's been confirmed by him. There's something that's going to be a more common situation, right? So um, we would expect to see him in a more attacking role even than he was in a lot of games last season. So there's so much there that we trust and we know to jump on him, right? And we know City. Whereas if by the same token, you're looking at last week's results and then flipping back to Son quickly because you think he's going to get four goals against Newcastle, then I think in that instance you need to kind of reassess because Southampton were comically open. They afforded so much space. And to the likes of Son and Kane, you, you know, you just, particularly Son with his pace, you just cannot do that. So I don't think that other teams are going to allow that to happen. So, you know, it's like... You need to balance your FOMO by by looking at everything but putting it into context a little bit and also managing your risk. Yeah, C- completely agree with what Carly's saying. And for me, I'll just add one more thing. Um, when it comes to FOMO, you need to decide what is what is it that is causing FOMO, overall rank or Twitter rank. We need to realise that as much as we love Twitter, it's a small bubble. We are probably not even 1% of the 7 million or just below that are playing the game. So, I, for example, at the beginning of the season, I, I'm k- kind of kicking myself because I picked Werner. I picked Werner because when I looked at his ownership, it was ridiculous. And I thought, right, if he goes mental, this could hurt my ownership. And I, I don't usually go with that, but he was ridiculously over the top, maybe because United and City were playing. That is overall ownership. The problem is now when we all are, are on Twitter and we see everybody's going to get this player, you might naturally think, oh, crap, if I don't get him, I'm going to suffer. Maybe you will suffer because you will see people celebrating on Twitter. But that does not mean that this player is also highly on the cross. Is, so you have to differentiate between the form of Twitter or form of actually affecting your rank. Sometimes they both the two are uh, correlated together. I get that. But sometimes there's also this this bandwagon of a player that is the what you call it, the Twitter bubble. Best example coming up, and we'll probably discuss, is Podence. Everybody on Twitter is talking about Podence. If you look at Twitter, you think Podence is 50% owned. He's under 3% owned. So that's a great example of 
Do you want to miss? Uh, are you are you bringing him because you're scared? Because you're gonna think if he scores, everybody on Twitter is gonna have him, or is it because it's gonna hurt your rank? Because believe me, if he does something, it's not gonna hurt your rank. It might help you move up. So it's just how you balance those two. I think when it comes to form, it's how you balance those two. This is what I'm trying to tell myself. Um, how to to you can't have everybody. Yeah, and and. And one thing, as you're saying there, Marzi, with like uh, the the FOMO, the, a lot of the time too, is you think back, even give yourself a little bit of a look back a week ago, and some of the players that performed brilliantly last in game week one, like Salah with his hat-trick, he didn't do anything in game week two, so as all of a sudden is Mane the, the one that, oh my God, I have to get on Mane, look at him, he looked so brilliant. Kane, Son, you know what I mean? You could be jumping backwards and forwards, trying to basically make sure you're not going to miss out. There weren't a huge amount that, you know, sort of performed hugely well in game week one that then did in game week two. And it's possible we could come to game week three and it's that first mm-hmm. bat over again. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. cards is interesting because on Twitter, um, there's obviously loads of people who are now wild carding. There's a lot of people who are debating high hits, you know, so eight point hits because of red cards and injuries. But also, you know, because they they want to make changes to their teams, some panic driven, some strategic. Um, but it's with all of these big things kind of seemingly happening and and um, wild card teams floating around. That obviously, when you wild card, you get to bring in all the exciting players, triple up on City if you want, and um, and it can be very hard to resist that. But resist it, you should if that's what's right for you and your gameplay and your team. That's that can be difficult. Like wildcard if you want to, absolutely. But you know, try not to be swayed into it simply because others are doing it. And and finding um, the ability to filter out some of that noise and, and likewise filter out noise that might suggest you shouldn't wildcard if you want to. You know, mm, um, absolutely. But don't don't touch on it at the beginning. Be your own manager. Play your game. You know, of course it hurts uh, taking Son out, but. Like, like Don mentioned at the beginning, it was always his plan. So, yes, it hurts. But when it's your plan and you decided it, I'm sure it hurts a little bit less than a, a knee-jerk reaction because you saw somebody else does it or a lot of people are doing it. I think there's, there, there's a, there is an absolute balance and it's difficult. But I completely agree with you, Cardi. It's about managing the noise. The one thing I decided to do this season is reduce the amount of DM groups of discussions about players. I don't, I don't want... I enjoy this game. I enjoy talking about it, but I want to make my own decision. So that's one thing. The other thing is to try and be decisive and try and... When I make a move, I stick with it. I make a captain, I stick with it. Unless I see something really shouting at me. So for, I, I'll give another example. I was always set on Salah the first game week as captain and um, Uber was going to be my second game week captain. I did think about Martial, but then I thought about it and I was like, okay, I haven't seen United play. Look, it's it's uh, a differential having him. Let, I'm gonna stick with Uber. Now it worked out. Uber didn't go, didn't explode. But I made my own decision and I changed my decision back backwards and forwards quickly, thinking about it. But then I decided that's what I'm making, and whatever happens, I made that decision. So I I, I just advise people to you know be your own manager, make your own choices, and use Twitter for the right reasons because then you will not suffer as, as per se from from formal or limit the formal suffering and the knee-jerk reactions. Moving on to the next section, which we have labelled 5.5 million options because there is a lot of players around about that point. Now, I know a couple of the Leeds boys have had price rises to 5.6, 
But there's three or four players who've really caught the eye in the opening two game weeks. Um, and with the injury to St. Maximum, people are definitely looking for a replacement there. Yeah, look, well, so at the moment I have uh, Maximin. And uh, it's, yeah, he's, he's going. And I look at, um, I looked at the Wolves fixtures and they just look really good. You know, they've got, they've got a nice run of fixtures. Uh, they are, uh, I'm not, it's, they're a funny team, right? Because they, they come across like an attacking team, but then I know people say they're, they're a bit boring and, and, uh, same football, but I, I like the way they play actually. Um, especially on the counter and with the guy, you know, with, with, uh, Turo, um, Adama and Jimenez and, and now Pordens. And I've been watching Pordens from last season when he's come on and I just, I like this, I like his style of play. He's very direct. We saw, we all saw the nutmeg yesterday on, uh, on De Bruyne that, and, and then the assist. Very, very clever. I really like the fluid, the confidence, confidence, you know, and the flu, I like, I love the fluidity in the Wolves, uh, forwards, right? And you can pick any of them, but I think for me, um, Neto being younger, and they have this new guys, uh, the new Portuguese guy as well, that is also young. I think Podence has that place, and he can make it his, especially with Jota leaving. Now, there is a caveat here, and uh, I, I always have a go at Tom for saying caveats, but this is different, because this is, could be a factual caveat. If Taror is moved up because Samedo is signing... Um, and he plays right, then you've got, uh, on, uh, on the right of Jimenez, then you've got Neto and Podence fighting for that. I still believe, based on the performance yesterday and what we've seen so far in the last two games and post-lockdown, is Podence's... Um, ch- he had three big chances yesterday, just in one game. He should have scored um, against uh, uh, for City. The lob, the lob was probably something that he uh, rushed. And there was another couple of chances. He got the assist. He looked really lively. And I really like that about a player. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't have space for Jimenez right now. So I'm going to go. I'm not saying Portland covers Jimenez. But at that price, it's a nice gamble. Because, as you said, there's other options. Now, another option, another option that I've looked at, but I'll let Kylie talk more about it because I think she's, she's looked into it, is, is uh, Klich from Leeds. Um, be, being the, the penalty taker. He, he, he's, he's, he's another good option. At uh, 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 5.5. Now they have a bit tougher fixtures. Carly, I don't know if you want to say anything about Cliff and what you looked into for Leeds. Yeah, and I mean, probably quickly on Click and Costa, right? Because they're, they're coming into conversation a lot. And I, I did um, put out a tweet to Leeds fans uh, yesterday uh, to, to try and get their view on it because obviously I'm looking at a, a couple of weeks of, of game data there. Um, but they would have watched these players uh, over the course of the, the previous season. So I guess quickly on Click, I mean, obviously, Click, Click, I'm not sure. Um, he has pens, right? So so that's one thing that is firmly in his locker. And, and as we've already seen from two game weeks in, there are definitely pens uh, happening everywhere. So, so that is something that's immediately attractive anyway, particularly when you're talking about an asset who is 5.5. Um, it's a really nice thing to have in his locker. Um, now he, he also has, uh, he also has an assist, um, that he's, that he got, I believe. Um, he, my understanding is that he's a, a pretty sort of steady option. In fact, I think, um, you know, 
one of the guys did say it's almost like Costa would be the Sterling and Click would be the KDB, but, you know, lesser quality and obviously the budget version. Um, but that kind of concept of one perhaps having more goal threat. Um, so it does seem like Click is maybe the more stable option. Certainly the minutes are much more guaranteed there. So he could be good. They do have tricky fixtures. Um, they have been really exciting to watch. Will they get found out? It, it's hard to know. I'm keen to see a bit more. Now, on Costa, I know people are starting to look at him as well. I believe his price has also gone up. One really interesting stat, and I'm not – I'm going to say the dreaded thing here, Mars, um, your, your favourite XG. I'm not a big um, fan of XG myself, but this one is quite interesting. So on Costa, obviously we know he scored the two goals in the last game, um, he had an assist in the first game. But his XG, so his expected goals for the two games, is 0.14. And he's obviously scored two goals. So there's, there's quite a strong contrast there. Um, let, so me get, let me get this right. So he's over-delivering, right? Yes. So he's oh, my God. I actually understand stats now. Wow, that's great. (laughs) He's considerably overperformed. And what is interesting is that Leeds fans have certainly been saying, you know, he wasn't a prolific scorer. I mean, a a lot of us will probably remember him when he was um, with Wolves. And uh, it was just kind of like subbed on, right? Um, But he he wasn't a prolific scorer uh, for them, you know, obviously some players then settle really well into the Premier League. but, I mean, what I also will say is that he scored with his only two attempts. So, um, and, and neither of them were big chances, clearly, from the from the XG. So, it's hard to know if that's very much like a flash in the pan sort of thing or something more sustainable. I do think, um, you know, it, I think I'd probably punt on click of the two of them. Um, my preference is still Podence. But I think there's also one other quite interesting one that's going under the radar. Um uh, Pratt from Leicester. So I'll just very quickly. I mean, I think he's probably being overlooked a bit due to the city match, right? And I certainly haven't considered him, but he's in that 5.5 range. So it's worth noting. He's had more penalty area touches than any of the others. He's had five attempts, three in the box, two were on target and two were blocked. He's created three chances, um, one big chance. And so his underlying stats are looking pretty good. I think he's a goal. He scored in the last match um, and he had an assist in the first. So he seems to be someone that people aren't paying too much attention to. Um, but I guess if you don't want to go potence, you're maybe a bit averse to the potential rotation risk uh, there. I would echo Mars's comments on that. Um, and if you just don't fancy leads with the tricky fixtures, you know, city aside, um, they still have some decent fixtures. He could he could be a very very uh, differential shaft. Yeah, and a bit of a steady, um, as you said, a bit a little bit more probably guaranteed um, in terms of appearances and stuff. But uh, yeah, no great shouts. I think there is there is definite um, definite options there. One thing I don't want to be doing. I want to kind of on this wild card. I want to pick a budget players that I'm not going to be continuously looking to going, geez, he's not actually playing at all and I have to waste a transfer on one of those guys. So I want to kind of try to nail one of them down. And um, I have to agree, Podence looks like he's worth a lot more than the 5.5 mil price tag um, potentially. And uh, with the Wolves fixtures, he looks very, very tasty to me. Um, Marzi uh, or Kylie, actually, I'll come to you first on Hammers. 
So we're going to talk about two Everton options here because uh, Monkey isn't on the podcast. We'll be able to talk about DCL in a moment. But first of all, I want to come to the Colombian um, James Rodriguez. So um, earlier on, I, I suggested kind of the comparison, the bit of the, you know, the Mares from from um, Leicester's title win. I don't think Everton are going to be winning any Premier League title anytime soon. But they do look like they're severe contenders for the Champions League places based on their form in the first two games, at least, and their performances and the additions they've made to the squad. What's your kind of thoughts on Rodriguez? Yourself and Marzi brought him in last week. Um, I brought him in on my wild card. He's definitely going to be one that will be in there. Um, and he's already had a couple of price rises, and we can see more of them coming, I'd imagine, if he does have a couple more good game weeks. Um, how good do you think he can be, like, in the Premier League? And do you think, is he someone, if people are kind of holding off, um, would he be one that you'd recommend they just go, listen, take a hit, whatever you need to do to get in on him? Yeah, he's he's an interesting one. I mean, he's two million more than Mares was in that breakout season. Mm. Uh I just remember because I had Mares flukily in my team. It was my first season. Yeah, he was uh, 5.5 when he came in. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I mean, you know, uh, the reality is that um, Rodriguez has come in uh, with a big reputation. Okay, so him still coming in at 7.5 is, is pretty decent value um, and come into Everton in a different context to to what Leicester were before that title winning season. Um I I know Mars had a lot of conviction about bringing him in. Um, I I didn't, and not in a, a negative way or anything. I had uh, watched him. I thought he was very impressive in that first match against um, against Spurs, but it, it was kind of a, a challenging one to read. Insofar as I thought that he was pulling all of the strings, creating a lot of chances, very involved, and they looked so much more fluid with him there with all of the new signings. But really with him kind of uh, running the show. But the question for me was, um, is he going to, you know, it's that myth of will he assist the assister? And it, it was quite challenging to kind of get a full answer from that from one showing. Um, so, it, but in the end, the alley situation being what it was, Everton's fixtures being what they were, it was quite a one of those moves I didn't overthink. I just sort of went with it and thought, okay, I'll be you know, pop him in there and then sort of see how it goes. And obviously he immediately rewarded me uh, and I could have could have had more. Um, the assist for the Dinier free kick if he scored it and more critically when that troll Calvert-Lewin stole Richarlison's goal uh, and therefore Rodriguez's additional assist, um, you know, there could have been a lot more points um, and he scored a great goal. So I think the the question over him as an asset has largely been answered. I think he will be really great. He's really involved. Um, I'm, I'm excited to, to watch him play. I think he's taken Everton to a, another level. Um, and I do think that Richarlison and he who shall not be named will benefit hugely from having his creativity in that team. And I certainly think that if, um, you know, things go well for them, they can be, uh, can be contenders for Champions League. Yeah, definitely, Kay. Um, Marzi, um, DCL, of course, um, he, he's played phenomenally in the first two game weeks and, he looks like somebody who may potentially like have, be ready to finally kind of step up. And people have been talking about Everton, or maybe they need another uh, top centre forward. 
Um, whereas he's definitely play, making his case for being that player. Um, what's your thoughts on DCL? Are you just going to bite the bullet and just bring him in and just suffer the monkey abuse that you're going to get? Uh, <clears throat> not yet. Uh, I mean, look, I think he's a great option, but I don't know if I want to double up with, with Hammers right now. It could be a mistake, but I'm trying. I've got other areas that I want to focus on. But I am kind of earmarking him for when they have a nice run after Liverpool and stuff. And if he's still doing well, there's a nice sea of uh, green fixtures, that, my own green fixtures that I think are green, if you know what I mean, uh, where I think uh, Calvert-Lewin at his price, but by then he probably will be, to be fair, maybe 7.5 and I still think it's worth it. Look, you know what I like about him? It's actually not him, it's the players around him. Um, I said this to... to to late riser when he was talking about Calvert-Lewin getting a hat-trick, and I said, it's brilliant. It's a number nine playing in an attacking team where you want him to tap it in. Let's hope that's what Martial does. Because that's what I was expecting from Martial, is what Dominic Calvert-Lewin did. He basically let everybody do the work around him, and he was tapping it in. And fantastic. His owners should be absolutely happy, and if he continues to do that, he will be an absolute bargain. Now, Richardson is a very selfish player and he has been very unlucky. Hammers will continue to take shots from outside. There's plenty of attacking threat in that team that I don't think Calvert-Lewin is essential. The good thing what's happening now is there's a lot of strikers that are delivering and I feel that I have to choose. Unfortunately, the ones that I have right now have not delivered so far. So if they continue not to deliver, then definitely it's an easy drop down to Calvert-Lewin. But because I have Hammers, I'm not going there and I'm not saying people should not do. Some people who have done the double up absolutely benefit, benefited from that. But the reason he's doing so well is what we said at the beginning. If you remember, in the first board, we said Everton, watch and see, they have absolutely revamp their midfield and they are going to create chances and Calvert-Lewin if he takes those chances will be a bargain and so far he has so fair play to him and his owners I, there's absolutely nothing against bringing him in um, it's just that I'm looking at different areas right now and maybe at some stage Che Adams will become him and um, and that, that could happen but n- not yet Quickly on Richarlison um, look I know I'm heavily biased on this subject because uh, <laughs> my recent history with Calvert-Lewin, but I did have a look at it. Now, obviously, we know uh, Calvert-Lewin has scored four goals, right? Okay, so it's hard to argue with that. Um, and Richarlison's shooting has been wildly suspect, right? There's there's no question about that. Um, but just in terms of underlying stats, Richarlison has had 23 penalty area touches versus nine for Calvert-Lewin, right? Um and he's had 12 shots now, like only two of them have been on target. So he does need to improve that. But, you know, we've seen him get assists. He's certainly more creative. Calvert-Lewin just kind of waits for it to land on his head, you know, uh, or tow it in. Um, Richarlison is more complete in terms of his ability to offer different avenues to points. So I think he is an interesting one to watch. I understand why people are going for Calvert-Lewin. He's getting the goals. He's cheaper, right? It's quite yep. simple. Yeah. I do think Richarlison will be an interesting one um, to watch. He's $8 million now, but I think the gap in price is going to close quite quickly between him and Calvert-Lewin, and he could prove something of quite a tidy differential, given that I think most eyes are going to be on Rodriguez and uh, and Calvert-Lewin. So someone to watch, certainly, and, and hope he, his uh, shooting improves. We know it can. He, we know he's got holes in him. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. Actually, shots in the box, Richardson had 10 and Calvin Lewin had 8. I know, I've just done some stats, but hey. You, actually, Kylie, you stole my other stats, so. <laughs> so yeah. You had stats again. I'm getting, like, this is like body snatches. I had to check to make sure that you had the right uh, goal attempts and pen, pen area touches, but you did. <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> I'm the one that usually does the stats on this podcast. I know, I know. That's why I'm just taking the back seat, just you're, dropping in some stuff. You're, you know, you're just both, you're both, you're the, both fantastic. To the meal that, that you cooked. Fantastic and fabulous. <laughs> it's done all right as he passed out, surprisingly. Uh, surprised by the stats. I don't yeah, know. I, I, just, I just picked up from the floor there. Apologies, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> but um, no, um, you're both, I, I was saying there um, on mute because that's the kind of guy I am, but um, that you're both fantastic and fabulous, Kay. Like I said on Twitter earlier on. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. Um, Marzi, will we kick on with our listener questions? Because I know we have so just a before, bunch of them. Just, before, before, just quickly before we go on that one. Uh, I know we're talking about Calvert-Lewin and Rodriguez and everything. But I feel that one player deserves a shout-out. He's around the same price. Seven million. Just a quick one. Um, Ten touches in the box for Leicester and probably the most shots as well, definitely more than Vardy. Harvey Barnes. Um, yeah, I believe he's, he's had the most shots overall. Yeah, most shots, most touches. The guy's uh, surprised a lot, including me, to be honest. And it's annoying because I was eyeing him at the beginning, but I wasn't just... I, I think, again, uh, my conviction about Leicester from the beginning was not great. Also for Vardy, who had uh, less area penalty touches than Justin last game, just, just saying. Um but yeah, Harvey Barnes at seven is also a great differential. If, if for example, if you have Dominic Cavalluin and you you don't want Rodriguez, I'm not saying he will match him or cover him, but he could be a good option if you want to spread your bets. If you want to spread your you bets, to the options, there's so it just feels mm. like there's way more options, viable options this season to me um, than previous yep. one. Yes, that's, that's actually one thing I wanted to say on this week's pod, actually. Um, it kind of occurred to me with with there is so many options at similar price points that it's more similar actually to draft games. I, as you guys have made, as I've said to you guys before, I play NFL draft NFL games and draft um, soccer games as well. But part of the part of doing them is you don't necessarily go. You're aware that like a load of different players, you could have three or four quarterbacks, for instance, who will score a bucket loads of points. In each in a given week, and you can only have one of those in your team. And I think, in a way, that kind of mindset helps FPL managers if they're looking at so many viable options and realize you can't have them all. All you can do is try to maximize your returns with your budget and be aware that you may have, you may not have a player that absolutely blows up any week. And try not to dwell too much on it or think I have to jump from my guy to that guy and back and forth because there are going to be so many viable options and there are, as we're seeing only through two weeks, there are so many choices that you could be kind of driving yourself mad trying to cover them all off. Um, but as you guys mentioned there with Harvey Barnes, one thing he could offer a differential to someone if they already have DCL and they're wondering, is a double up on Everton too much? Maybe then moving to Barnes instead of Rodriguez um, in midfield will kind of give you the diversity in, um, in your coverage that, that might work for you. Nice. I like the example of how NFL draft thinking could apply. Cool. Let's uh, jump into the questions then. And uh, we can't start by, uh, uh, with any question apart from this one. Um, I'll let you guess who said this question in. This question <laughs> in. 
Have any of your listeners ever subjected themselves to a 32-point self-course transfer swing? Dinian Rashford for Trent and Son, minus four. Asking for a sacked cat. I feel like Kraken's just been absolutely thrown out to the wind there. Absolutely. Two, been... two games in. Yeah. Um, salvaged a season last season um, and, and thrown to the wind for, you know, the, the Son thing is real unfortunate. Like, it really is. Um, yeah, could have had a haul, right? Uh, Son, I mean, th- that was mind-boggling, that game, completely mind-boggling, that the exact same scenario could happen four times. And I believe Absolutely. it's the only time in history of Premier League. I just think it's major. I, it's it's serious ingratitude times. from the board sacking a manager who got basically a slight, the equivalent of a manager bringing a team up from the championship and a few games in is getting the sack straight away. Um, I think it's, it's disgusting, disgusting behaviour. It's yeah. worth it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right, uh, FBL 420, at 420 FBL, what to do with Jota when free transfer was already used on KDB and Tierney? Uh, and Tierney's also in the team. So he, so they've used their, their free transfer. Don, I'll come to you. They've used their free transfer. They've obviously got Jota, who's just moved to Liverpool. Uh, what would you do? Wildcard. <laughs> oh, okay, maybe not. Look, I would say <laughs> it depends on your team. If you have other subs, you can suck it in and just put Jota on the on the subs bench. That that Jota will start at the weekend. He probably start the cup game. Uh, but don't be scared of a minus four, my man. Or or my well, it could be a lady for all I know. So you know, don't be scared of a hit. Um, you know, and yeah. with t- with Tierney. Uh, again, I think Tierney should be back. I heard it's not a long-term injury. Just monitor it, wait and see last minute. And um, play a defender that you might not want it to have played because anything can happen. I mean, Justin scored at the weekend. I wasn't expecting that. So just um, roll yeah, with it. Being serious, that is the answer. It's not... It, it's, if you've only got those couple of fires to put out, don't be afraid of a hit, especially if it's someone you're going to have in for a good number of game weeks. Uh, don't be worrying about that. Yeah. Jota's just like a, a bad talisman for your team anyway at this time of year. Too early in the season for him. Yeah, so get, I just him, get him out quick. Get him out fast. Out of your team now. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, who's the who's the Bosselli at uh, FBL underscore Latex underscore? Uh, taking out Uber for a Man City asset, but who is uh, more pressing to ditch? Uh, Sam Maximilian Adams only got one on the bench due to a Brathwaite injury. That's the uh, Everton defender and Bissouma red card. Um, so that's leave, the first thing. I'd leave. Um, I'd, Adams has, he's come close in both games. I think it is only a matter of time before he scores. Don, um, guess what? It's interesting uh, you say that. It's interesting you say that. I have a stat for you. <laughs> Go on. Are you, re- are you ready for this? Mm. Are you ready for this? Trey Adams has the third highest Non-pen XG with 1.7. Non-pen XG rears its ugly head again. I feel sick, Kylie. I feel sick. But it's true. Because yeah. actually watching him, he is... I, I don't even think he's an awful finisher. It just happens that those keepers have been... Maybe it's just straight at the keeper. I don't know, but he's been unlucky. I agree with you, Don. Sorry, um, I, I, didn't want, I just wanted to jump in with those, uh, you know, my drop moment. <laughs> uh, no, excellent. You finished the point perfectly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I keep the fade with Adams. I wouldn't be rushing to get him out. 
And also, you, if you've got uh, Sir Maximin, is that correct? That's the alternative. I mean, he's injured, may or may not be back, right? So you've got Adams, who's fine. So it makes sense to focus on getting uh, Sir Maximin out for an alternative. We've discussed plenty um, and, and leave Shea Adams in yep. for now because um, he's, got, he's got opportunities. So they got Burnley and West Brom next, and they have not been amazing, let's be honest. So I think I, I completely agree with you. Look, we, we talked too much about it. I think you can leave Adams. His ne- uh, the next question is, better choice out of Sterling and KDB. Look, KDB is the main man at City. KDB is probably going to be the higher on, and KDB has the, will be the most consistent. There will be games where Sterling will have the higher ceiling, but KDB, with the role he's playing and with the pens, for me, is the main man. And then it depends what kind of manager you are. Are you the risky manager or are you the one that who's chasing the high the high points? You have to make a decision. They are both amazing players. And I think that, and for me, that sums it up. I did see something on, on uh, Twitter, and apologies because that, um, I can't quite remember who it was who tweeted it, um, but it was an example of the uh, top 10 highest scores that each uh, of Sterling and KDB had last season, um, just to try and assess this question of Sterling's uh, higher ceiling or greater explosiveness, I guess. Um, yeah. And, you know, the by two points, I think his highest score was higher. Than, I think it was like 21 versus 19 for, for KDB. But KDB had consistently higher uh, scores in the, the top 10 um, than than Sterling did. So it was perhaps a little bit of a miss. And um, I, I think that Sterling... Sterling is excellent, but I think it's going to be even harder this season than it was last season to go without KDB. Yeah, agree. Uh, right, uh, F at FPL underscore Simon 432. Uh, talking about Doherty, is he worth keeping? Poor value for money so far. Kylie, what do you think? Yeah, okay. So uh, I think he is poor value for money. He's um, he's had two penalty area touches. Now, I know he nearly he kind of... Uh, would have had the assist for the first goal that was ruled out for Kane on the weekend, but it didn't eventuate anyway. This is Doherty, and we're used to him being um, up there really attacking for Wolves um, and getting opportunities, and that's just not the case with Spurs so far. And, in fact, I saw a reference to an interview he had somewhere. um, It was only just before we jumped on here, actually, um, and in that he was referencing the fact that – He's never before had um, so many defensive duties as, as he's expected to have now and that he doesn't expect to be uh, as attacking. Now, don't quote me on that, right, but, like, look into it because it's, it's quite interesting. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think he's exhibiting the same threat. I don't think he – I think he's had one shot, right? Um, uh, is, yeah, I remember the shot. Yeah, it was saved by the keeper. I mean, he nearly scored. But yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I think it's just uh, a Mourinho thing. And um, just uh, uh, maybe in the back, flat back four. Uh, and w- yes. with Bale coming in, you've got to think like, you know, what, what's going to happen there? Where, where is Bale playing? Where is Son playing? Is Doherty going to even have to come up so so far? I, d- I don't know. I really don't know. So for me, yeah, I think there's better value. I think Dinia is, is for example, better. Um um, and uh, yeah, or down or, 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 or Wolves, for example. But yeah, uh, yeah, cool. Uh, we move on. Next question FBL Dave at Club's Mug. He's wildcarding, Don, just like you, so I'll come to you. Uh, Ailing Dallas versus Lamptey versus Justin versus KW versus Taylor. He wants to know which two four and a half defenders out of those would you pick? So, quick, 
summary of done what you're thinking so far? Which two, four and a half? I have um, yeah. Justin and Lamptey are my two, four and a halves at the moment. Um, now, Justin, that might change, but no, I'm not. I'm not. I just moved out Ailing um, because I don't think Leeds are going to have the possibility to keep clean sheets for a while. Their fixtures aren't the best, and I just don't think they're the best defensive, the most defensive-minded team. Um, they'll be great in attack, great entertainment, but I'm not sure they're going to keep many clean sheets at all. Um, so I wouldn't be going at the Leeds boys. Um, but I do like Brighton defensively. Chelsea, they were good. This game in game week two kept a clean sheet. And um, to be honest, I think that they're looking like the best of the budget. And if you want to pair up a defender, um, Lamptey is, unless his injury is too serious, um, himself and Ryan look like a great combo to have there. Yeah, fair play to Kylie. She shouted Lamptey. I remember watching him being excited, but I just didn't realise how good attacking he is. The guy is just fearless. He's fearless, and that's what I love about him. And he, he's already got two assists, and he, he whips those balls in um, and just always and, and doesn't care. He doesn't care about the what kind of player he comes up against. Um, Justin had more touches in the box than Vardy. So, again, I think he's a good choice. Um, and Taylor... I, that guy has got one of the best left foots I've seen. Honestly, it's ridiculous. And Burnley, hopefully, you would hope they'll tighten up um, as they get more and more games. So I think he's also uh, another good option. I think at the moment. Three. Sorry? I was just saying, I think they're the three. Uh, yeah. Lamp, for certain, he, I, I think he's far and away the, the best 4.5 option. Um, uh, Justin is a bit trickier to to maybe bring in now, depending on the situation with Pereira. Um, but th- those of us who've had him have obviously done really well. And I think Taylor uh, for Burnley looks a good option as well and hope that they kind of sort out some of the defensive uh, frailty. But I think that between the three of them, they would be the best picks. Yeah, agree. Cool. Next question. Uh, we move to um, uh, at Lee, Lily Cami. Lili C. Uh, uh, Rodriguez or uh, DLC, Son or Kane? So I think we talked a lot about uh, J-Rod and DLC. It really depends on who your attackers are versus what you want in midfield. Really, I, I do believe that it depends. Like, if you want... There, there's so many attackers. So if you don't want to fit Dominic Calvert-Lewin in, you can go for um, uh, Rodriguez. Uh, and I think that, that is sufficient. Um, Son or Kane, for me... Um, I like both. Son right now looks the more appealing, just again because of that amount of strikers. What do you guys think between Son and Kane? Quick one. Uh, to be honest, I'm not really interested in either until I see more from Spurs. I, I know that might sound counterintuitive after the last result, but um, I think against Newcastle, we're going to revert back to the Spurs that we know under Mourinho. Um, I'm interested to see what it all looks like when Bale's fit, but. Um, yeah, I just think there's so many options in free-flowing scoring teams that I probably have a bit more confidence, have a sustainably high scoring rate. Is four goals not enough for you, Kai? You are a hard lady to impress. Don, well, are you going to be sitting there going, uh, whatever I did, whatever I said, I didn't mean it. I want you back. I want you back. I want you back for good. That's for Jade if she's listening. She's my new duet person, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I heard. I heard. <laughs> uh, 
you um, no, Son, uh, yeah, as Kylie said, it's going to wait and see on Spurs. I think there's just too many good options that, whilst Son would definitely be the pick between Son and Kane, you know me, I'm recently not the biggest. I don't really look at Kane as, as an option because if I want to go that price, I'll, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I would do, personally, I'm going that price this season at all. Um, until Aguero is back, and then it's a possibility. But um, other than that, I'm happy with my nines, nine and a halfs, eight and a halfs. Jimenez, Jimenez, Ings, Marshall, uh, Werner. I mean, that's where I want to have my value there. But uh, Son will definitely be one I'll probably get back at some point, but not right away. So sorry is the hardest word to say. Okay, it is. Cool. It is. <laughs> Jonathan Strack at J Strack. He's asking about. Um, uh, ACA, ASM replacement. I think we covered them. So we say Porter's yeah. first. Um, he he mentions Foden and Zaha, and I quickly want to just touch on that. Um, so that you know, we touched on Barnes, so a bit above. So you're talking the six and a half to seven. Seven, yeah. Yeah, quickly, guys. What do you think with, about Foden and Zaha? Um, I think it's hilarious that, that my false tip to uh, Rockstar last week was Zaha, and I'm yeah. delighted. And I I did. I want to plug myself because I did say that I think um, Zaha might have a really hot few weeks. And, um, and, and I, I, yeah, you and, did. You and, did. And, um, yeah. Before the transfer window, which I don't think will actually do much for him because unfortunately Zaha looks like he's cursed to um, to remain. No offense to um, to Palace fans, but um, looks like he's cursed to remain there. But yeah, Zaha, I prefer. There's another actually midfielder. Uh, Foden is definitely my um, my one at that kind of price that I want to get in because even if he will have certain limited uh, minutes. I think Pep really does like him, and I think he's an unbelievable um, young player. And at his price, I'm happy to ride out the, r- the rough weeks. But um, one player I wanted to give a little plug to was um, Van de Beek. I was really impressed with him when he came on for Man United. He looked really, really lively. And um, one thing that concerned me a little bit was that Bruno seemed to drop back a lot when he came on and that he was kind of buzzing around the box a lot, looking to get himself, looking for passes, got involved from the beginning, and he's 7 million. It's a possibility that he'll be one that if somebody wants to take a little bit of a punt on a player, I think he'll definitely get a lot of minutes uh, for United. Um, but I think they have a lot of uh, a lot of hope for him. Fair enough. With Foden, eye test wise, he started off so far out on the left that was frustrating. But then when he came more central, that's when he was so involved. He was uh, putting balls in the boxes. He that's when he scored, taking shots. I much prefer him cent- central. So. Uh, I was eyeing him, but I think I'm going to wait and see see if he's trusted more. Uh, I think he will get more minutes, but I definitely think he's a, he's a great option. And you just have to ride, ride the rough with the smooth. Um, our friend at Morphous Fire asks, how many games would you allow a premium asset uh, form, uh, premium assets form to turn, e.g. Bruno improvement likely versus Brighton or Tottenham? So with that, for, well, you know, look, looking at the players, but for you, Kylie, how many matches do you give a player um it it can be very challenging if we're seeing other uh and, and pretty much from you know the the likes of you know a, a bruno or someone um you you can get to most players uh from that uh so with your with your premium assets it can be very difficult to hold on to them for any degree of time i think one week's certainly not enough to to judge them by um so using the the Brighton match, that is the kind of match where realistically they should be should be doing well. I know Brighton have have done well, but I would still expect um, United to to put something up there if they're kind of capable of it. 
ultimately we know they're capable of it, but I mean, uh, you know, are they still kind of looking a bit rusty? Um, so I think I would be a bit concerned if I didn't see promising signs in that match uh, and possibly concerned enough to to move away to one of the many other assets uh, with a view to eventually coming back. I mean, that's yeah. kind of in this season. Uh, be open to flexibility. Don't move too fast, but maybe two yeah. games is enough. Agree. Agree. I agree with you. And the problem is um, not so normally I would say like, you know, I want to give them four to six games, yeah. um, but I want to see at least some kind of dripping, you know, like, like, like Jimenez, a goal here or there, and see the form, see the hunger. Uh, I was worried with United, which is why I didn't um, double up. But quick quick one on, on uh, for example, another, another asset, Werner. And I'm only doing this because I want to drop the fact that I looked at some stats. So whatever. Um, Don, you can wait. Um, <laughs> um, he's only got an assist against West Brom, right? Um, against, uh, sorry, Brighton. But he's had... Uh, 24 shots in the box, 14 shots on target, eight big chances, and he's the most transparent. So, I mean, look, they've got nice three fixtures next. And to be honest, the reason I jumped on him early is for those fixtures, uh, hoping that he gets something at Brighton. I don't care against Liverpool. I'd rather he didn't, which he didn't. So I want to see how they do in those next time. If I see something interesting from him um, against West Brom, and I want at least a goal, for example, then I'll keep him. It's difficult if he doesn't deliver then. Um with 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 his price tag, yeah. he does have to do something against West Brom. He's going to be a captaincy candidate for people. I, I mean, I, I think it's a captaincy fixture, but I'm a little bit concerned by um, the lack of what I've seen uh, from him. I, I've seen plenty to be very interesting. I think his pace is excellent. I think he is uh, hungry and he wants to do well. Um, but we are missing key fixtures from that team, key people from that team. Um, you know, and they're a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit underwhelming at this yeah. stage. It's, it's um, not him. I think it's, no, it's, it's, not, funny. Him. I think it's, it's not you, it's me. It's not him, it's Chelsea overall. But I th- I still see interest, even against Liverpool, he was the one driving and wanting. He comes, yeah. exactly, he comes up against a team that has shipped a lot of goals. So let's see, hopefully... You know, they've shipped, what, eight goals in the last two games, in the first two games. So let's see what happens. And I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Uh, right. Let's let's fly through the next ones. FBL Hammerman. Hi, guys. Love last week's pod. Thank you very much. Do you guys see Timothy Castagna as a relatively cheap route into premium defence? Early doors, but having watched both Leicester games, I have been extremely impressed with his attacking positioning. So quickly, Castagna had four shots, uh, uh, four touches in the box, just like... Uh, Justin has been really involved. I am impressed with him, but for me, it's just Leicester overall and the fact that they're lacking uh, some defenders. I would rather go with Justin, who's much cheaper, um, uh, until I see more more uh, stability in that in that defence. Personally, I think there's better premiums out there. Um, and then we wow. just m- he has yes. a 100 uh, percent conversion rate, Mars. I don't know what you mean. That's clearly sustainable, and everyone should buy him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'd, I'd echo what you say. I, I think he actually looks a really good um, fit for Leicester, mm. uh, and I think that over the course of the season, uh, he's—I mean—he's already starting to rack up points. I, I think he will do well. But um, while Justin's an option, it, it's hard to pay a million more, and um, I think you can kind of go elsewhere and, and see what happens. Because I'm, I'm still not super impressed with their defense. Yeah, delighted with Justin's points, but I don't have a lot of confidence in them. 
Right, our friend that Nick uh, uh, from the Who Got This Is at WGTA, Nick. Is it time to buy Dominic Cavalier? Six hundred thousand managers think so. Don had a go at him because he told him this is a stat, but it's been a stat pod. So there we go. Um, yes. <laughs> Adam at three five Who. Uh, would you rather have garlic bread for legs or twiglets for fingers? Don, you don't even know what twiglets are. So, I don't um, know. what are they? You obviously don't have them in Ireland. They are a very big snack here and something that you have in, in, in pubs and people eat. Just like little sticks, like bagels maybe, but long bagels rather than oh, the, yeah. the. Yeah, I, yeah, but they like long sticks. Yeah. Longer sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say garlic bread for legs just because uh, I have more balance. Anyway, uh, thank you, Adam, for uh, you such smell like uh, garlic. Well, who cares? It's feet. People shouldn't be smelling feet. Yeah. Morpheus Fire again. Uh, this this is one of my uh, f- favorite questions. Absolutely. When England turns to a full fascist regime, which country should myself and Hindu monkey immigrate to, and why should it be Ireland? Um, I think he's just sucking up to the Irish contingent here. But uh, yeah, um, you why can see man? the answers for that on the thread. And uh, that's it. Over to you, Don. Thanks, Mersey. Um, and now we just wrap up our show with our game week plans and our captain pick. Um, as I mentioned, I'm on the wild card, so we'll come to you, Kylie, first on it. You give us um, what are you thinking about in terms of your transfers and also who you're likely to be happening. Oh, God. Okay. Um, well, it's a little bit complicated with me. I'm looking at an eight-point hit. I've uh, De Bruyne. Uh, for Aubameyang, simple, not going to pretend otherwise. Um, then I have the dreaded Egan, who we now hate, and uh, I've realised that the two times I've owned him, the only two times, he has got me red cards. So collectively, I've owned him for three weeks with two red cards. Never again. I hate you, Egan. Moving on, I um, also have uh, some maximum to deal with. So. Um, I'm thinking I'm just going to take an eight-point hit and uh, address the situation. I don't want a wild card, uh, but I do want to be – I don't want to be on the back foot. So I want to be able to make proactive changes, so I just sort of feel like I want to stop the rock here. And I've already had a bad start, so uh, I might as well just accept that and, and move forward. So that's what I've got to debate. It's probably going to be pro dance uh, or – yeah, probably will be just because of Wolves. Um, also interested in the likes of Sice. So um, I, I have to play that up. But it, who's, who's the captain this week, Kyle? Who's the captain this uh, week? Captain this week is probably going to be KDB. I mean, I have weighed up the Werner thing, but it's kind of like we talked about and maybe don't have enough certainty about him just yet to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said I'll keep him, but I don't know if I can trust him with the armband yet. So, yeah, for me, Don, sorry, feels a bit soon. Yes, I need to see more of Chelsea and him before I can trust him with the armband. Personally, I just feel it feels a bit punty. You like that, don't you? Uh, (laughs) um, My favourite word, punty. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, It's KDB in, Pordens in, Maximilian out, um, Uber out. Thank you, Uber, for the points. And uh, captain, uh, it's between Salah and KDB. They both playing at home. Um, both nice fixtures. I know Salah's playing. I, I don't normally like to captain top six players against each other, but he loves Arsenal. But that could be the reason why I don't go Salah and just go safe with KDB. So it'd be a last minute decision. 
Yeah, KDB is definitely um, the option, as you said, number 10. I think he's going to be the top point scorer this season, as much as I think Salah is um, looks on fire as well. But um, KDB looks and Man City are definitely... I think the, the, the fact that we're actually got a little bit of a head start in terms of games might actually help us because um, Man City will be trying to accelerate like mad to get to just make up that little gap as quickly as possible um, and not let Liverpool feel that they're ahead of them um, on the league table too much. But um, KDB, definitely. Um, Werner is currently my captain against West Brom. Um, I have a feeling that people who do sell him this week will really regret it because West Brom had been brutal um, and, I, and I have liked Werner as much as he hasn't done much in terms of returning points. He does look like a better player than, um, than those points would suggest. So um, Werner or KDB are the two for me. And that's all we got time for on tonight's show. We have been Mars, you can find at Mars05. Kylie, you can find at KylieFBL. Myself, you can find at the Marple Curse. And of course, make sure you're following our group account at 3AmigosFPL. Thanks as always for listening and your continued support. We'll be back next week to prepare you for Game Week 4. But until then, enjoy the games. Adios, amigos! One for each other and all for one. The three brave amigos are we. Brother to brother and everyone. A brave amigo.